Hey there, SE land. This is Twig and Twig's SE Reflections. Anthony Twig Wheeler. It's a podcast series meant for SE students and practitioners everywhere. I'm looking forward to talking with you today on episode number 22 about resiliency testing. On my way into this, I'm going to say if you haven't checked out these podcasts before, you can catch up by returning to one through maybe episode 20 or so. Get a feel for how I laid this out at the beginning, and then you'll see that I'm just jumping right into sharing some off-the-top thoughts, reflections, ideas meant to help Bessie practitioners and students understand the psychobiology and the interpersonal feeling state of being a practitioner in this particular wonderful, exciting, adventurous work. Today, resiliency testing. Starting off here, I'm going to lean on a quote. It's kind of like I'm going to read from an older blog post, one that was early on in the SE Reflections blog, a little writing I did on the ICANN principle. You can go find that in the archives, the ICANN principle part one. And in that, I I mentioned something that we're going to be talking about today. So I'm just going to go back and read that to you right now. Here we go. My real focus remains a purely practical one. Mm, I should give a warning here. Sometimes I write a little bit pedantic. Well, maybe a lot pedantic. So this could get a little wordy here. Here we go. My real focus remains a purely practical one, to encourage a truly creative yet considered approach to titration and structuring our client interactions for spontaneity and success. We can push this sometimes, as in resiliency testing, or by touching the edge so we or they get a feeling for the limits of their capacity. Or we might explore extra challenge because we're trying to find the appropriate level of titration. But by and large, we're hoping to reinforce success and avoid recapitulating failure, and we might want to keep that foremost in mind. This includes taking the hit when necessary, taking the hit in quotes, meaning When you get an I can't in your office, consider it the result of a miscalculation on your part and reinvest in your commitment to make sure it doesn't happen again. Like everything else here, this is a reiterative process for ourselves as well. We'll fail and then we can go back toward I can possibilities and try again. What? Well, what I was trying to get at there is that we're trying to help our clients develop the sense of momentum in their successes where they're building the experience of success which as we know builds the sense of resiliency that sense of success is often informed by the sense of challenge that having challenges in our lives are both part of nature and part of what's going to happen in living and also part of what makes us more resilient more robust if by our hmm, actions by our experience by our hmm, participation by our involvement by our engagement and so forth we feel like we're able to meet the challenges of our time of our day of our lives of even sometimes the moment 
If we're able to rise to the occasion with our challenges, we feel the sense of success from that and in incorporating, integrating, deactivating from the effort of that challenge, if we're able to integrate the sense of both return to normalcy and space outside of the context of challenge, as well as the sense of having succeeded at just having done that challenge or met that challenge successfully, even if it just meant that we got away from that challenge, these kinds of things build the sense of, oh, I can go into challenge, I can attend to it, I can do something on my behalf, I can get out of it, I can have been successful at having been there rather than overwhelmed by it or otherwise unsuccessful. And by doing so, I feel more competent, capable, and otherwise prepared to handle challenge of that scope or perhaps a little bit bigger in the future. And that is a little bit of, you know, a lay way of saying how resiliency builds based on the conditioning of experience of successful negotiations of challenge and stress. Well, of course, we're trying to increase people's resiliency. We're trying to help increase people's resiliency. And we live and work and breathe in the field of engagement with people who often feel that they're unable to meet the challenges of their lives, that they feel stuck in themselves and their experience and their capacity to meet those challenges. And they feel essentially in our kind of language that maybe their, we could say their resiliency is low. Challenge comes up and they fret. Challenge comes up and they have anxiety. Challenge comes up and they stay home. Totally understandable. I appreciate it. I mean, gosh, who hasn't felt that they don't have enough resiliency to match or meet a challenge? And anybody who hasn't had that feeling, they are like an uber person or maybe, well, I don't know. Anyway, a lot of us feel that it's not, you know, something we can do sometimes, whatever that something is. And there are limits. There should be limits. There are always limits to, quote, how resilient we are. Sometimes, in fact, I think, you know, we think of resiliency as like something that you grab, something that you get a hold of, something that you have, and that forever after that, you're going to have this thing and it's going to be with you and you will, with alacrity, just move through the stressors of your life. Maybe, you know, there's no question that resiliency can be grown. No question that resiliency can increase. No question at all that organisms, particularly humans, have the capacity to increase their resiliency as they get older. We are still able to mature traits as we grow older. And because of that, we are able to have more successes based on having negotiated challenges and therefore incorporate the sense of, huh, I am resilient. Of course... A lot of us get held back in that, and what actually ends up reiterating and repeating itself is the sense of failure, the sense of, I can't, the sense of, that's too much. And every time we reiterate that message of, I'm not able to do the thing that I was trying to do for this, we, you know, repeat the sense that we're not up to more challenge. As practitioners, we want to, you know, be 
wary of this. We want to be attentive to this. We want to try to help make sure that what we are asking of our clients are things that they can do. And we are trying to minimize what we ask of our clients that they can't do. Simple, kind of simplistic, kind of true. Of course, sometimes our clients are trying to do things themselves that they can't do. And sometimes, of course, our ambition or hopefulness or maybe lack of appreciation of the dynamics involved are asking people who can't do more than they're already doing to try to do more in order to help them faster, in which case that's something that we should be attentive to too. We don't want to ask people to do too much when they can't. We want to try to help them find a way to do, try to do less when they too can't. Kind of comes to mind a quote that, that I really appreciated from Stephen Hoskinson years back where he'd say like, what I can't do, I don't. It's a very appreciate, like, I really appreciate the, the logic of that. Like, why reinforce I can't any more than it already is getting reinforced? And same goes with your clients. You don't need and don't want to reinforce that sense of I can't for them. So it's a practical kind of thing to think about the I can principle in this way of trying to help people move from one success to the next. And yet there'll be times where we need to kind of test the edge. We need to explore and go on an adventure. We need to see what it is we can do. We need to make sure that we're not only staying inside the safe range of what we've already established is safe enough. Now, in order to do that, to go and make that exploration, we do actually want to create that safe, stabilized situation. We want some kind of established baseline. I understand that I am this way at this time. This is okay. This is this is not in itself too turbulent for me. We want enough safety and stability that when we start to go testing the limits of what I can do, resiliency testing is how I'm going to kind of describe it here, we want to make sure that there's, there's a known place to come back to, that we've, we've already noticed that we can get back to stability. We've already noticed that things can settle out. Of course, for some of us as professionals and just as people, but then for a lot of our clients, that stability isn't, isn't in place. You know, a lot of them are coming to us with that, that kind of chaotic, high-intensity, distracted, noisy, lots of confusion. It's very hard to, for them to achieve many or very many or any of their goals because there's so much nervous system distress going on inside that's calling their attention otherwise. Inside of that, there's a place for resiliency testing in terms of seeing just how friable or just how reactive or just how shut down the system might be. So oftentimes I think of resiliency testing as that voo sound that Peter kind of taught us all to kind of play with and that you'll see him do so often. I often think of that as like, oh, this is a way for us to do like a physiological resiliency test. We'll, we'll kind of give this input little expense, this little effort of the viscera of the respiratory system of the attention to see after we make this effort and then we see and ask what can you become aware of as we perceive what those limits are for a person, we're in a way kind of doing a resiliency test to see, oh look, you know, they take a big breath, they let this voo sound out, they feel the vibration, it moves right through, it all quiets down. You have a certain kind of sense that says, oh, that system can let things move through. Oh, that person's resistance or system, nervous system has some bend to it, some flexibility. It can kind of ride those waves. On the other hand, 
you know, you do a half of a vu and you see a person's face kind of squinching and, and efforting and you think to yourself, oh, well, you know, they're going to they're gonna pass out if I have them continue all the way through this. this. The resiliency is not that high, not that strong, and you're going to need to come in and help not let them fail. You're going to make that request on them smaller. I mean, that's what I would hope I would do. And if that's the case, then it's a kind of a test to see what's the limit of both how much they can do and in some cases how much has to be done for them or how much do we have to limit back the request or the stressor. Now for a lot of folks in that kind of disorganized sense, primarily at the beginning what we need to do is hold back more stressors. We need to limit the amount of efforts that a person is trying to do. We need to get things stabilized and and kind of like safe enough that from there I can start to express or expand my sense of capacity for challenge or meeting challenge. In other words, I'm going to look for the opportunity to do my resiliency testing once just living, just breathing, just feeling myself doesn't cause too much noise that I'm already being reactive. Because in fact, Resiliency testing is a little bit like a stress test, right? Like um, in material sciences, they do stress tests, like how far can something bend before it gets a dent, before it makes a, an impression that lasts forever? Like how far can it bend before it bends back? You know, that's a, that's a sign of its resiliency. And, and you want something to be itself first before you try and go challenge what else it can do. So this sense of developing and stabilizing, like, this is how I feel about this. This is how I do inside of this situation. It gives us a marker for when we test the range of that, how easy it is to come back to neutral, how easy it is to come back to stability, how easy it is to get back to where it feels okay, how challenging it is to experience the difference, how much I kind of am able to be with my experience or not as I'm experiencing the challenge, all of that becomes available once we have that stability to work away from. Like what? Well, you know, how can we put some examples on this? Being raised Catholic, I kind of maybe took on that sense like everything is a test, you know, and and I've, I've kind of maintained that I have a, a certain kind of like my own perception is like, oh, I just, I, this is like a test for me kind of thing. And, you know, while I'm enthusiastic about the challenge of that, I'm not terribly enthusiastic about the pressure that comes along with that or the sense that, you know, there's, you know, there's no space in the world without always being in some kind of challenge. I just don't think that that is the case or should be the case or that I want to influence my thinking or any of my attention toward that to be the case. So I do want to respect that part of resiliency and part of resiliency, like growing resiliency, is is something like what, you know, I, I kind of got this from Raja Selvman a lot, actually, was, was he would just be like, you know, it's the integration here, the time of integration space after a challenge is is as important as the negotiation of the challenge. He would also kind of point toward how a higher challenge is not always a bad thing. Like sometimes you want to test the edge of how much challenge the system can take. And 
you want that integration on the backside. A mini Peller was an early, early big influence for me, a mini Marshall Peller. And she would say, integration happens on body time. And it was some time that I had with Raja that I kind of like heard him saying that same kind of thing. This is going to take a lot of time. And for the integration, deactivation, stabilization, settling phase to exist, that's the place at which we are able to say, oh, I was able to integrate and negotiate that experience. So if I can bring that back to this notion in resiliency testing, there's a thing where you could kind of see everything as a test. Can I get up smoother this morning? Can I be more at ease when I'm eating my breakfast? When I'm at the grocery store, can I talk to more people? Oh, when I'm with my clients, can I be a tiny little bit more relaxed? When I go to the next training, can I enjoy my company more with other people? Like you could, you could start doing it all over the place and it would just get exhausting. You want that, we want that, I want that integration time after I take on a test to see, can I do this? And I kind of just would go along with Stephen Hoskinson on this one. Like, why not orient to pleasure? Why not make space, make active space for like just non-addictive, enjoyable pleasure that's not tested, that's not pushed to the edge, but in fact just takes in and, and integrates the allowance of this moment being pleasant. All of that to say, gosh, you know, I had some resiliency tests back in the day that just really helped me see how this works. Like I went to a lot of trainings. Some of you know that I was involved in a lot of trainings and you probably don't know that a lot of those trainings, I was like laying in the back of the room. By the end of the training, I'd be back there with so much neck pain and tension in my whole upper neck area. You know, I could like sit in the chairs for only so many days, attentive, kind of like reaching out with the tension in my neck for like, whoa, what's the next thing we're going to say? What's the next exciting thing here? I was really excited about it all. I am really excited about it all. And I would, I'd put a lot of tension, I think, into my experience of paying attention in the class. And somewhere inside of a week of training, four days, six days, I would get a kind of trigger that would go off in my neck, thoracic, like upper area here of my back up into the cervical area. And um, it would just shut me down. You know, like Stephen Hoskins would be carrying my bags, you know, out of there and, and people would be like loading my my bags into the taxis for me to get back to the the airport. I, I'd, I'd like move through the airport system kind of like a statue and it would take, you know, maybe a week to come off of these sometimes where I wouldn't be able to move after the trainings and this this had happened for years. And then I started to just use these all as resiliency tests. Because I would recognize this is going to happen. I mean, it became obvious that this was happening. And then I could see, you know, it's like, oh, I'm holding enough of my professional role, I hope, that I'm not just kind of in here malingering. I didn't feel like I was. I was trying my best. And I could find my way back to normalcy. A week later, I, I think at the beginning, probably took two or three weeks for everything to quiet down. And then I could watch. I could watch on that baseline that I could get back to settle, that I could get back to free movement. I could go to another training and I could watch how long will I take before I lose this and I get that trigger? How long will it take before I can come out of that trigger? 
how much more movement can I get this time? And it grew. Now, it didn't grow fast, didn't grow as fast as I might have wanted it to, but it did change and grow. And eventually, several years later, I could attend such events without that neck problem. There's a hundred different ways to do it. From the vu sound, a little physiological thing, what's the edge of this? How easy is it to get back to neutral? How is it easy to get back to settled? How is it to get back to where I'm able to perceive the difference between that and this? All the way over to, can I go on a trip and stay a little bit more at ease? Can I go on a trip and come home and get a little bit back into my ownness a little bit faster? Resiliency testing for yourself, for your clients. Can we stay at the grocery store in the conversation with somebody who we're just chatting with even two seconds longer before we feel the discomfort that says, oh, I have to get out of this? Can we expand bit by bit, trying to find the edges of our success and where we can be successful without overloading those tests to where it takes us a lot longer to recover? So that was something. I will surely come back to this again. A lot of you have already heard me talk about resiliency testing. I'll just ask you if you've got a place in your life where you've noticed a pattern where things get a little wonky and can you pull back the challenge of that enough where you can stabilize it and then start to let yourself into the challenge step by step finding the edges of your resiliency, trying to get back to stable and noticing over time that even that challenge thing can become something that you are more capable of responding to. Thanks for checking out this Twigs SE Reflection. I do hope you're all gonna be doing your little resiliency tests. I'm sure you already are. Look, let's, uh, let's say a few things about this program. One, You'll see this is episode 22, and I'm just kind of getting my uh, thing in, in order. I'm sure that's going to change a dozen other times, but the intro, you'll notice, is different now. This extra, I'm going to keep this uh, for information I need to let you know. Like, You can find more of these reflections at liberationispossible.org backslash reflections. And you know, I got to say, it's super nice for me, if you're listening, get up, get up. to share with others. Get up. Take care now. Well, if you want to stick around, I'll share a story if you like. Back in the day when I had moved to San Diego temporarily to try to understudy with Stephen Hoskinson down there in in between his travels, I was early on in my own recovery. My resiliency at the time was super low. It's had waves, goes up, sometimes goes back down, happens the time, whoa, it was pretty low. Opportunities to be social were really challenging for me. Being around other people were pretty challenging. Just uh, leaving my house at times was actually something I had to spend a couple hours preparing to do. And I knew that I needed to improve that and that I could, that I would have that capacity again to be pro-social and engaged with the world and such. So I decided I would provide myself with a plan a way to practice and I had fallen in love with a woman in Brazil and she had taught me a little bit about 
Brazilian dancing, and I thought, wow, you know, what a great way to go about this. I'll take some Brazilian dance classes. And I look around on the internet and the newspapers, and I find out that in San Diego, there's a couple different places for Brazilian dance classes. And so I find that on Sunday night, there is an open dance in downtown San Diego. Now, I'm living up in Encinitas, and that's maybe an hour drive away, maybe 45 minutes if the traffic has got a good flow. Sunday night probably has a good flow. And I would do this thing where I would spend hours getting ready to go to this dance class on Sunday night at 6 p.m. And I'm, I'm going to do it this week. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go down. I'm going to take these classes and I'm going to be in this room with all these other people. And I'm, I'm on my way. I'm, I'm getting ready and I'm walking out of the uh, house that I was living in and I'm turning back around. <laughs> I remember I, I I totally like left the door and then turned back around. <laughs> that was kind of like the maximum amount of resiliency I could get that morning or that night. And uh, and so another day, like the next week, I think I remember I like could get to my van. I was had a little van at the time, a big van, and I I got to my van and just sat in the front seat. I did. <laughs> I sat in the front seat for like an hour or two, and then uh, turned around and went back. You know, inside my house. I was I was kind of following a little bit of that that pattern for challenging like habitual patterns that Peter offered one time like smoking where you can smoke but you you pause every step along the way and and you take a felt sense read of how you're feeling so every every step along the sequence of going to have a cigarette you you pick up the pack, you pause, you feel, give that some time, you take the next step, you walk outside, you get to the door, you pause, you feel, you get through the door, you pause, you feel, you know, all of those steps. So I was just doing this. I was just really dedicated. Okay. You know, I got nothing else to do. I got nobody to, I got nobody to report to. I was just kind of trying to get through it myself at the time. Not such a good plan if you ask me now, but at the time I was, I was trying to do a lot of these things by myself. So here I was, I was in my car. I went back inside. That was enough. Third week, I think I, I got in my car and drove down the block and and I got almost to I-5 and I turned back around and <laughs> drove through Encinitas, probably stopped and had some sushi by myself and, and went home again, a little embarrassed for not having been able to pull off this Brazilian dance class yet, but I but I had a plan. I was still moving toward it. I was just going to titrate my way into this. Each of these were a resiliency test. How about this week? Can I do a little bit more this week? One time I drove down, I remember seeing the bay, San Diego Bay, and then uh, catching a turnaround exit. <laughs> turned around, turned north again, went home. Sure enough, uh, one time I got all the way down to downtown San Diego where this event happened, and I drove all the way down around, and I, I actually drove past the venue, and I could see people going into the door, and I was like, I'm going home now. <laughs> Yeah, I did. Six weeks. I worked on that thing for six weeks. The last one, I actually walked up to the door and had my hand on the door. Couldn't go in. I just couldn't. It wasn't like I was trying to keep myself back. I was trying to get myself forward. But at the same time, I was not pushing past what I could tell I could do. So I would go home and kind of do my like, oh, I'm so pathetic kind of thing. But, you know, I wasn't. I was in the right direction. I was moving in the right direction. I never got into that dance class. I, I actually went back to Brazil. Any case, stories happen and yours happen too. Enjoy your resiliency testing. I'm sure some of you are doing it already on a regular basis.
Later, Gators.